We've been in a series on wisdom for relationships from the little book of James. So let me say welcome to Summit Church this morning, and it's good to see all of you. And those of you who are joining us online, welcome. Thank you for tuning in. So we're going to conclude this weekend our five-part series, the book of James. Been a great, great series. There have been a lot of challenging things we've looked at. How to persevere through tough times and struggles. How to improve our relationships, particularly when it comes to how we listen or how we manage our anger. How we become free from the trap of wealth and status and fame so that I'm better than you. And which is such a big thing in American culture. And we've talked about the power of our words and how they can be agents of harm, but agents of healing. And last weekend, James walked us through our biggest problem, our sin problem. And he gave us a solution that has a 100% guaranteed success rate. This weekend, one last lesson that we get to apply, and it comes appropriately at the very end of the book of James. It's because it's really about what happens when you're at the end of your rope, when you're running out of steam, when you're feeling burned out, when you're not sure where to turn to or who to turn to. James writes these amazing words from chapter five. Let me read them. Is any among you sick? I mean, any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call for the authorities of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So if you haven't guessed yet, our one final lesson, our one final practice from the book of James is about this idea of prayer. Now, let me say this. Prayer has a lot of uh, aspects to it. There's warfare prayers. And if you read through the book of Psalms, you see warfare prayers called imprecatory Psalms. They're scriptures like this. Break the teeth of the wicked, O God. I mean, that ain't na- now I lay me down to sleep. That are not a kitty cat Mickey Mouse prayer. These are violent prayers right in the Bible. But they're warfare prayers. Not, a, not directed at a human, a human being, but a spirit behind a human being that's going on in the world. And there are prayers for healing, and there's prayers uh, for increased faith, prayers for peace, all kinds of prayer life. I, I'm not, I can't do all of those, so I'm just going to pick an, an area about prayer, and I call it persistent prayer, persistent prayer. Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a little widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time, he refused. Finally, he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God and I don't care what people think, this widow keeps coming, driving me crazy. I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust said. Will not God then bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? 
Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see they get justice, and they get it swiftly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So verse 1 tells us why Jesus told the parable. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and quit complaining and not give up. You got two choices, pray or give up. That's your two choices, and I don't care what you've got. I don't care if it's health, work, employee, marriage. you got two choices. Warren Wiersbe told me that years ago. He said, Rick, you got two choices, just two, only two, dose. I can't go much further, dose. You get two. Pray or quit, and then shut up if you quit. This story is kind of humorous because you see two different characters. you got a powerful judge and a powerless widow. In verse 2, you got a description of the judge. It said, in this certain town, there was a judge. He didn't fear God. He didn't care about men. So this is not a compassionate, huggy type of a guy. He's tough. He's hardened, non-compassionate. And then you got a little widow woman. Verse 3, there was a widow in that town. She kept coming to him with a plea. Please give me justice against my adversary. Now, we don't know what her problem was. It doesn't say. But in those days, widows had absolutely zero rights. If you were a woman, you had no rights. If you were a widow, it was even worse. You were at the bottom of the social ladder. But this woman was no passive pushover. She takes her problem to this hard-boiled judge, and he wouldn't give her what she wanted, and she wouldn't take no for an answer. So we've got a battle of the wills. And in verse 4 and verse 5, it says, For some time he kept refusing. Finally, he said to himself, Even though I'm not afraid of God and I don't care about men or their opinion, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see she gets justice. So this little woman had no weapon but her persistence. And persistence is your weapon in battle, in spiritual battle. Not just a prayer persistence in prayer. She kept going back and going back and going back. She kept badgering him. Finally, the guy meets his match and totally exhausted, he gives in. So he says, because she keeps bothering me, I'll see she gets justice so she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. So she's aggressive. She's intense. She keeps asking and asking. Finally, just for peace of mind, the judge gives in. All right, now I need to balance this. So is what God is saying is that that's how we to treat our God in heaven, just wear him down with our prayers until finally gives up for peace and quiet just to get you off my back, I'll answer your prayer. Well, no, that's contradicting to the nature of God. He says, if a heartless judge will help you out, how much more can we count on God who loves us to help us out? Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones? That's you who cry out day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get their justice swiftly. In other words, if it takes a while, when the answer comes, it always comes quick. When God does something, he can turn it around in a day. So the point of the story is that God is eager to answer our prayers. We don't have to beg and pester by saying to God, uh, I, I'm not like that judge. This is God. God says, I'm eager to answer your prayers. I hear them when you offer them. So why be persistent then, Rick? 
Why should I keep on praying when the answer doesn't come on my timetable? Anybody but me got to watch that it never comes on my timetable. You know, I mean, even Lazarus, he got raised from the dead four days late. I mean, they called for the Lord while he was still living, but Jesus waited four days dead to come. But my goodness, what a coming, what that was. That's called a resurrection. So it's, it's never too late, right? So let me give you four reasons. It's real simple this morning. Four reasons to keep praying when there seems to be no answer. Four things persistent prayer will do. Number one, persistent praying helps me focus on God. It helps me focus on God. Not to remind God, but to remind me where my source is. So God wants me to remember that he alone is the source of my answer to my prayer. You know this verse, Philippians 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's not just a financial prayer. That's whatever your need may be. Healing, deliverance, help, wisdom. Ask him, see? God wants us to see him alone as the source of my need. When we have to pray about something over and over and over, who do we look to? Well, my focus is on the Lord. We look to the Lord. Persistent praying focuses my attention. Have you discovered that we like to look to everybody else to solve our problem except the Lord? You know, well, the Lord is not supposed to be my last resort. It's supposed to be my first contact, right? Right? We look to our friends. We look to our family. We look to counselors. We look to the government. We look to anybody except the Lord. Well, I guess it's come to this. I'm going to have to pray. (laughs) No. Psalms 105. Psalms 105, verse 4. Look to the Lord. Go to him for help. So God often delays an answer to force us to focus on him. Delay is never denial. Secondly, persistent praying clarifies what I'm praying for. It clarifies my prayer request. See, a delayed answer will often give you time to pause, to think it through, to clarify what do I really want. Most of our prayers are vague and general. God, bless my life. Uh, Duh, what does that mean? I want my athlete's foot gone. Lord, bless my, what does that, that's not a specific, Lord, I need more money. Okay, here's a dollar. Well, I need more than that. Be specific. What do you want? How much do you need? What do you, be clear about it. And delay gives you time to think about it and bring some clarity. Sometimes a blessing is a problem. Is that what you're praying for? God give me lots of problems. But be specific. Time allows you to clarify what you really want. Waiting helps you refine the prayer. Do I really want it? Well, it's a test. It's a test. How bad do I really want it? If I don't want something more than to pray for it one time, I don't want it very bad. The test will prove. Listen to Zechariah chapter 13, verse 9. God says, I will test them as gold is tested in the fire, and then they will pray, and I will answer them. So time separates a deep, passionate longing from just a mere whim. See, is this the earnest desire of my heart, or is it just a passing fad? I prayed for things, and sometimes during the lay decided I didn't really want it after all. It really wasn't what I needed. Time showed me. 
A delay is not a denial, it's just a test. Christians are kind of like tea bags. You don't know what's in them until you put them in hot water. Then what comes out tells you what's inside, you know? They're like a tube of toothpaste. You got to squeeze them, see what comes out. So, so God will delay the answer to test you. Do you really want it? It's not that he doesn't want to give it to you. He wants to know if you really want it. Do you want it enough to keep praying? And a lot of times during a delay, you'll find out that you modify your prayer. You might change it. You clarify it until it becomes crystal clear. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. So nothing worthwhile is ever accomplished with half-hearted prayers. Oh, God, I think I'd really like this, maybe. Oh, that's going to move heaven and earth. Wow. See, no, God says, seek for me with all your heart. He wants to know if you really want it. Persistent prayer helps me focus on God, number one. Helps me clarify my request, number two. And number three, persistent praying prepares me for the answer. God usually wants to do much more than we pray for. God usually wants to do it bigger and greater. He wants to do more. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. That, that's beyond your highest desires, thoughts, and hope. You know, God always wants to do it bigger. I wish... If I were preaching to my 18-year-old self, and I told the staff this, I gave them a little list of things I wish had been taught to me as a teenager. I didn't ever have one parent. I never had a grandparent. I never had a school teacher, not one, and nobody in church ever challenged me, Ricky boy, dream big. Oh, no, no, bigger, bigger than your race, bigger than your political affiliation, bigger than the community you live in, bigger than your mom and dad, no matter how bad it is or good, dream bigger. Nobody told me that, yet Scripture does. And God says, if you can dream it, you can have it. If you can ask for it, I can do more than you ask for. If you can think it, I can do much more than that. And I'm thinking, why do we live such mosquito lives, pygmy lives? thinking like, well, I, this is my fate. I guess I'll have to stay here. I looked at my mom and dad divorced five times, and I said, I'm not staying here. Don't let the fact you came from a bad family make you decide to produce another bad family. Produce a good family if you came out of a bad one. Don't pass on a curse. You don't have to. And if they're not where you want to go, if parents are not living where you want to go, you can make choices to detach yourself and have something bigger and better. I'm gonna, I, 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 was, I was born into a middle-class family, but if I was born in a ghetto to a minority family, I would, my ambition and my prayers would be escape. I'm going to make choices to get myself a better life, a bigger life. I'm not going to settle in and conform. Just shut up and fit in. No, I won't shut up and I won't fit in. <laughs> I want you to challenge everything. Don't you accept anything the media says. Don't you accept anything a teacher says without investigating it and for your own self be clear, clear on it and make your choice. Don't let somebody else do your thinking for you. I hear the most dumb things through, through a daily week of life. And I thought, don't you ever have a thought yourself? 
I'm going to let some guy be my thinker? I don't think so. In school, in college, in seminary, I challenged every teacher respectfully, but I went after them because I knew that's not right. Even in college, when they taught me I came from a monkey or they taught me I came out of a mud puddle, all us guys and lost as a goose. But we, I remember in college, we'd say, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. In my, we did not buy that. And I remember one of my mentors says, Rick, to silence a man is not to convert him. They didn't convert me. I didn't believe that. I didn't know a lot about God, but I certainly believed in a God, and I certainly didn't believe I came out of a tadpole in a mud puddle. And if you do, I got land in Florida, I'll sell you. Come on. All right? Sometimes we ask for small blessing, and God denies it. Why? He wants to give us something bigger. He wants to do something greater. And and you need to get ready for it, and it takes time to prepare you because he's got to change you. I'm thankful some of my prayers were not answered on my time schedule. I'm glad because I wouldn't have been ready for them. Not at that time. God had to prepare me for something bigger and something better. Right. I I remember, you know what I remember my, my father said to me when I was in business and flying, doing international import and export and loving life. He said, when I said, God's called me or captured me to go, to go in the ministry. He said, that's the worst decision you ever made in your life. I never forget him saying that, but I lived to see him say I was wrong. And, and, and to me, I could care less what anybody says. If God told you to do something, you do it. It won't be the worst decision. It'll be the best decision, right? And if your kids have a dream, don't you step on it. Don't say, well, honey, get that out of your mind. I don't make enough money to pay for that. I don't make enough money to send you to this school or that college. I don't make, or don't forget, now we don't have this and you can never be that. And you know, in the world right now, it's very hard. Well, who needs the devil? You're right there in the house. You don't, you dare step on a dream. Even if you think it's crazy, you encourage, honey, you go for it. If you believe that's, if it's a good thing, you go for it. We'll worry about it later. God can sort that out way down the line. You just encourage them. Nobody said, dream big. You can be a world changer. You can be bigger than you are. You can be bigger than the group you came out of. Ever go back to your old town and look at some of your old high school friends if they're still alive and some of them are still frozen in time? Nothing changed. Didn't learn anything, didn't make any changes. They like, we, I just went back and saw T-Rex. I just went back to Jurassic Park. That's a fact. Don't you let anybody say, well, you're just not the same person. Thank God, I am not the same person. Jesus has changed me, helped me, morphed me. It's been painful, but I'm not the same. See, there are changes God wants to make in people. I hear people say prayer changes things. Well, it does. But prayer changes you, and God is a lot more interested in changing you than just your circumstances. He wants to make some changes in your life, and very often, that's why there's a delay. Some of us are slow learners. And very often, as soon as you've made the change, the answer comes. God's been waiting on you. See, it's not a matter of we're waiting on God. It's a matter of God waiting on us. So when we're ready, the doors of heaven open up, the answer comes. Prayer is not a tug of war with God, where you're trying to convince him of something. See, our struggle primarily is in ourself. I read a story about a missionary who prayed for eight years that just one person could be saved in his village. 
No one was converted for eight years, but he kept on praying persistently. And one day, the whole tribe made their decision together, and he baptized 12,000 people. At the first prayer, he wasn't ready for the blessing. The people weren't ready, so God had to prepare him. And at the same time, we have to remember, God had to prepare them. And God did it bigger than he could ever imagine. So God delays to help me focus on him. He delays to clarify my request. He delays so he can prepare me for the answer. And number four, persistent praying strengthens my faith. Prayer goes hand in hand with faith. And faith is like a muscle. It grows by being stretched. You're never stretched until you have to wait. Oh, dear Jesus. I got to tell you, I hate that. I hate to wait in a line at a restaurant. I hate to wait in a line at the bank. I hate to wait in line on 281 on Boulevard Road. I hate it. I don't think that'll ever go away. I'm sorry. I have to endure it, but I hate it. See, praying persistently is a faith-building exercise. See, waiting tests your faith. A mark of maturity is how long can you wait? There's a great Old Testament scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 13. And I think about verse 8, it says, King Saul waited seven days for the prophet Samuel to come and offer sacrifice to obtain God's favor for the battle. But he didn't come in seven days. Finally, King Saul took matters into his own hands, and he offered the sacrifice. Back then, a king could not operate in the office of a priest. And Samuel was a priest and a prophet, and the king decided in his impatience, I got to get this show moving on my own. Abraham and Sarah did the same thing. They said, we got to help God out. He said, we're going to have a kid. But I'm 100 years old and you're 90 years old, a bad road. This is not going to happen. And they produced Ishmael. And global terrorism and war is the result of impatience, not waiting on God. Thank you, Abraham. Thank you, Sarah. I don't want to go after Hagar and create a mess because I'm impatient. You know, you get impatient, road rage puts you in jail, costs you your life. You get impatient, you start saying something, end up in a divorce. You get impatient, and you start doing some things maybe illegal or unethical, and you go to jail. Watch out. There's a test going on. And so Saul loses his kingdom because he did not obey, and he became impatient, worried about what the people think. In Galatians 6, verse 9, it says, let's don't become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap if we don't give up. See, the thing for me is I don't know what the proper time is for God to answer this particular prayer. Sometimes it's short time. Sometimes it's long time. Are you prepared to wait? If you were an elephant going to have a baby, you got to wait three years. Try that, mama. For a human being, it's about nine months. For certain seeds and vegetables, it, it may be weeks. But my point is, there's a due time for everything. I just don't know what it is. So I've got to be persistent and I've got to be patient. But I know the Lord's listening. I know it. 
Paul is saying, hang on, be patient. The harvest is coming. Don't give up, look up. I read the story of Reese Howells, who was a famous missionary known for prayer, intercessory prayer. You can Google him. And he, he, he was a missionary to Africa, called to be one. And when he was in England, God called him to go to Africa, but he had no money. So he kept waiting for tickets to get to London so he could get on a ship to go to Africa. And one day in prayer, God spoke to his heart and says, what would you do if you had the money? He said, I'd go to London, then I'd get on a ship and I'd go to Africa. Well, God says, am I really the source of all your needs? Reese said, yes, you are. God said, then go. Well, they announced to everybody in the church, we're leaving. We're going to Africa, knowing they only had enough money to get 50 miles out of town. So the church gave them a big farewell party. They bought the tickets. They went the 50 miles from home, and that was the end of that. They got off the train. They're sitting in the train station feeling very foolish, and God said, step out in faith. But we've done it, and nothing's happened, Reese says. What are we going to do now? So God said to Reese, if you had the money, what would you do? I'd buy a ticket. God says, then get in line. There were 18 people in line. So he got in line. He stood there as the line got smaller and smaller. And he's thinking, what am I going to do when I get to the ticket counter? Well, he got up to two people in front of him. And all of a sudden, the guy in front whirled around and said, I've changed my mind. I'm not going here. You can have my money. And the guy left and Reese bought the tickets and went on to Africa. An unusual man, unusual intercessor. But God's timing was perfect. God's delays are not God's denials. And we live in America. If it's not on your table in 15 minutes, it's free. We got instant everything. And we are not adapted to wait. And I'm not being super spiritual. I don't like waiting either. I mean, I've got some fruits of the Spirit working in me. Patience wouldn't be at the top of the list. <laughs> Not for me. So that's a work going on in me under construction. So there, there, but these delays cause you to focus on God, clarify your vision, prepare you for something bigger than you're thinking of. And the longer you wait, the greater the miracle. And they are there to strengthen and test and challenge and develop your faith. So Jesus concludes this parable in verse 8. He said, I tell you quickly, he will see justice. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, wasn't he just talking about prayer in this story? Why is he talking about faith? Because faith and prayer go together. This story is not just about praying persistently. It's about having faith when you pray. So why does he mention faith? Because the size of your prayers determine the size of your God. You got a big God or a little God? Well, look at your prayer life. What are you praying? Well, Lord, I just, I just pray we can just pay the rent this month. No, you got to pray bigger than that. I pray I can develop enough income, find a better job or promotion where I can not live month to month, but I can take care of that rent without having to worry about it. Or I can, I can marry somebody who can buy a house and I won't have to worry about it pray big. I don't, I'm, I know it's kind of funny, but it's, it's real. If, if I were in that place, that's what I'd be praying. I want to get out of this barely enough month to month nonsense. I want something bigger and better. So I back, back up in scripture, make sure I'm a giver, make sure I'm sowing, make sure I'm standing in faith for what God can do. Meet those requirements. You get the result. It isn't that hard. You don't have to have a PhD to make this work for you. So what are you praying for? Huh? 
something tiny, something you could accomplish on your own power. But if you got a big God, you need to have big prayer requests. Your persistence demonstrates your prayer. Faith and prayer go together. Anytime there's a delay, you can know two things are going on. First, God is testing your faith. Second, Satan is contesting your faith. See, Jesus admired this widow because she refused to give up. She was persistent, tenacious, determined. How quickly do you give up when the answer is not immediate? Do you lose heart? Do you want to give up? Faith persists. How do you pray persistently? In Luke 11, Jesus told another parable. It was the same truth. We already looked at it in Luke 18. It's about keep on praying and don't give up. At the end of this parable, in Luke chapter 11, verse 9, Jesus said, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be open. Let me pause there to say in the Greek language, it's keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's in the continuous case. It, it ain't knock three times on the ceiling if you love. You know. Sorry, there's an old flashback. I don't know what happened to me there. It, it's consistently Consistently seeking, knocking, asking, consistently. Driving in the car somewhere, boom, it comes up again. I got a prayer need. I'm, pray, I'm pushing on that thing. Every time I, I, I drive down Bilverde Road, I, I'm always praying. And Lord, bless the sale of that corner down there so we can get some rapid debt run. Thank you, Lord. Favor over this contract. Favor over that. Just pray. It's not like I have to set out one big day, open up a mat, get out for four hours. That ain't going to happen. We're all busy people. So you just pray. I got that vacuum cleaner. Pray. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Thank you. You sent your word to heal me. Lord, to deliver me from all my destruction. Your words are life and health to all my flesh. By your stripes, I am healed. Or Becky is healed or whatever. You can do that all the time. Walking the dumb dog, I can do it. I pray. That dog's going to be spirit filled probably another month. I don't know. Has to listen to me. Probably wonder, what is this guy talking about? And he says, the door will be open. Then he goes on to say, which of you fathers, if a son, you could say also a daughter, asks for a fish, you'll give him a snake. Or if he asks for an egg, you'd give him a scorpion. What's unthinkable? If you then, God says, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your father in heaven give you to those who ask him? See, if we know how to bless our children, how much more does our good, gracious, heavenly Father know how to bless us? I'm not earning it. I'm not meriting it. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. How many? (laughs) I'm having flashbacks to my 60s rock and roll days. Keep a knocking, but you can't come in. No, God says keep a knocking and you can come in. That was little Richard, a great theologian. Okay, right. How many of you old people remember old little Richard? Yeah, thank you. How many people would you talk to on your phone if you only let it ring once? No, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, not to convince God, not to wear him down, but for your benefit. Old Daniel Boone was a famous uh, settler in Kentucky. He traveled all over the wildernesses of that day. And one day a man asked him, you ever been lost, Dan? 
Old Boone said, no, I've never been lost, but I've been bewildered a few times for days, sometimes up to a week or more, but I just kept on going. Have you ever felt that way? You're bewildered. You don't know what's going on, but you kept on going. Maybe the marriage seems to be going nowhere. You've been praying for it for months and you're ready to throw in the towel, but you keep on going. You can't find the right job. You're facing a serious illness. You're stuck at home with diapers all over the house. You feel like this little powerless widow, hopeless and helpless. See, you, the point of the story is you don't give up. You don't give up. You've got a child that's not following God and has all kinds of, maybe they're grown now. You consistently pray. You can run, baby, but you can't hide. I am praying for you as your parent, as a higher authority for you, and I will get you. God will capture them. You, those prayers will go on after you leave this earth. You keep those prayers coming, see? So don't give up. Look up. Don't cave into discouragement. It's persistence that wins the crown. Expect a miracle. It's always worth another try. And I think that's what God's saying to all of us. We ought to always pray and never give up. Dr. Warren Worsby said that I never forgot his words, and I was a young guy in my late 20s. And he says, Rick, you got two choices in life, pray or give up. Now, give up's not on the table. Okay, so we pray. Well, what do I do when I don't know what to do? Pray. What do I do when it doesn't seem like it's, ha it's changing? Any? Pray and keep on praying. Well, I'm praying for my husband, and he got worse. Good, it's working. Keep praying. Keep praying. It's working. Sometimes that long delay is something else. This is important, and I close. Daniel 10. Daniel prayed. Daniel was a, was a guy of prayer. He, he had great wisdom. He was influential. And they ordered a decree, these pagans did, that he could not pray. And he prayed with the windows open in public and didn't care what the price was. And, of course, they threw him in a lion's den. That'll improve your prayer life. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's a good time to pray. And it, Daniel prayed. And it said it took 21 days for his prayer to be answered because the prince of Persia fought with the angel that was bringing the answer. And the angel said to Daniel, Daniel, your prayer was heard the first time you prayed it. And I was dispatched to give you the answer and to help you. But the powerful prince, that's a demonic power that has big authority, a principality and power, the prince of Persia over a nation fought me and I, I was outranked. I couldn't get loose. So God dispatched Michael, the archangel, the angel of battle, to come and set me free to bring you this answer. But your prayer was heard immediately. So if God gave us the ability to see the invisible world, if you had straight hair, it would perm. If you could see what's going on around us, the demonic forces that try to cause to steal, kill, and destroy your life, your marriage, your health, your children, your hope, your dream, they're around us all the time. And sometimes they're the ones holding up our prayer. That's why I must be persistent. I can't just quit. The Bible says resist the devil. Well, that's not touch the devil and say, get out, go bye-bye. Resist has the art of like wrestling, hands-on, straining with it, resisting a mugger, resisting a purse snatcher or something. See, it's an aggressive attack. I'm being fought by another power who wants to overturn God's good will for my life. So I got to stay with it. So what is it that's causing you to want to give up today? Your marriage, your job, you want to give up on yourself? 
You want to give up on your dream? You want to give up on God? What is it that doesn't seem fair in your life? God never said life would be fair. God says, don't you give up. Look up. Pray and don't quit. Amen. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.